Hello and welcome to MikeyPod. Oh no. Oh yes. This is going right. I thought I had the settings wrong. Welcome to MikeyPod. My name is Michael Heron. I'm your host. This is episode 205. Oh, 210. Wow. Okay. I'm going to settle down a little, just a touch. Hi. My guest today is Joy Eskew. She is... Uh, she's, I, I hesitate to call people singer-songwriter because that implies something that isn't good. <laughs> but that is what she is. She's a fantastic songwriter. She's an activist. She has performed with amazing people, such as Laurie Anderson, Peter Gabriel, and uh, Joe Jackson. Yeah, where? what else do I tell you? She's amazing. And I'm super excited to talk to her. She's got a new album she's working on. There's a pre-order availability uh, through Pledge Music. We'll be talking about all of that and more. One of the things I want to get to is the upcoming Mikey Pod live show, which is going to be great. It's part of the Queerly Festival, so it's during a Pride Week. And it's going to be so good. <laughs> I'm really excited to do this. Uh, my friend Kevin R. Free, who you've also heard on the podcast, uh, asked me to curate an evening of music and suggested I make it a live podcast. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. We're going to have amazing guests. Uh, Eve Beglarian, she's a new music composer. Um, uh, let, me read, let me read you the thing. Hosted and curated by Brooklyn-based composer and performer Michael Heron, Mikey Pod Live is the first ever... And that's true. The first ever live episode of a long-running Mikey Pod podcast. Oh, it's coming up on 11 years I've been doing this podcast. P.S. Just in case you're wondering. Uh, June 27, 2016 at the Crane Theater. So yeah, the guests will be uh, Rauschenberg Prize winning composer and performer, Eve Beglarian. She's, got, she's bringing a pianist with her who, when I read her bio, I should have known. It was one of those things like, why don't I already know who this person is? Uh, and I'm Really feeling terrible that I'm not saying her name now, but we'll get there. Uh, performance artist, Victoria Libertori. She, she's also fantastic. She is one of the people that sort of got me rolling on uh, performing in New York City. So thank you, Vic. And uh, she and I are going to perform together. We're not exactly sure what. <laughs> We're gonna, and she's in, uh, out of the country. She just got married. Congratulations. And uh, playwright and ukulele enthusiast, Duncan Flaster, who you've heard on the show a couple of times. Uh, you've heard all of these people on the show at this point. Uh, he's going to be doing uh, some ukulele stylings. And uh, Will Shishmanian, who you heard on the last episode, episode 209 of the podcast. Um, and then I'm going to record the whole night and uh, podcast it. So if you're not in New York City, you can listen to it still. If you are in New York City, please come. It's uh, June 27th at 8 p.m. at the Crane Theater. It's on 85 East 4th Street in New York City. Uh, tickets are 20 bucks. If that's, you know, I could probably slide you a discount code or something if 20 bucks is a little steep. Um, yeah, but the money, you know, goes to help make more art. So, yeah, I'm excited about this thing. I'm also, to be perfectly honest, like a little, huh. But in a good way. It's it's a brand new experience for me, but it's what I'm excited about and what I'd like to do more of. Uh, it's really, excuse me, it's really fun. So anyway, enough about me, uh, except that you can read more about me at michaelheron.com. Um, yeah, let's go right to the interview. Before we do, let's listen to a track from Joy Askew. This is called Walk the Dog. <laughs> Some may say that it's a crime 
feels divine, looks alright. That was Walk the Dog from Joy Askew, and Joy Askew, a.k.a. Joy Askew, (laughs) is joining me right now. Welcome to the show, Joy. Hi. Glad to be here. Uh, So that song, I did a little mini, like, 10-minute research about that song and didn't find a lot except some cool live performance videos of it. Is it released on an album somewhere? Oh, now you're asking, because, yes, it came out on my own album, drunk on you uh 
2012, and I believe you can get that on iTunes and Amazon and all of those places. So there is a version on Drunk On You, and then it recently came out on this new compilation album, which I always get it wrong. It's CF something. Do you know the one I'm talking about? This is terrible because I immediately can't, <laughs> can't tell you what it is. Um, uh, but it has Chrissy Hind on it, and it has um, all kinds of people on it. Yoko Ono. and Oh, wait. I think... I think someone told me yes. about this. Um, I saw the guy at uh, VegFest, and um, it's a uh, and and I remember being like, "Oh my God, Yoko Ono!" Did you? T- I'm a huge Yoko Ono fan. Did you know this? No. I I love her. Um, so I was just amazed, and of course you're on it, and I can't remember what it is either. But I told him he would be on the podcast, so I should talk to him on the podcast. So right, this reminds me to do that. I'll figure it all out, and people who are listening, I'll put a link on MikeyPod.com to this album we're talking about. Yes, I'm trying to look it up on Facebook as we speak because it got posted, but uh, you know it got posted probably about 50 posts ago. Um, it just has a complicated title that I can't ever remember. That's the only problem. Uh, anyway, it's kind of now that it's happening. So anyway, there's a version on there. Well, let's talk about the new album okay. because you've got a Pledge Music campaign going. People can pre-order the album, which I'm proud to say I just finally got around to doing this morning. Uh, oh, for sure. Like, it's one of those things, like, I often think, like, are we all passing around the same, all of these artists, like, passing around the same $15, $20 contributions to each other, which is great because... Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm happy to do it because... Uh, I know in one way somebody might say it doesn't add up because you're giving as much as you're taking in. But but actually, the more I do it, the better it all seems, you know. It's it's really interesting. And and I like supporting that stuff because um, I don't think people outside of our world of producing our own content and music really quite understand. You know, like when I, I was doing a Kickstarter a couple years ago, and I came to a point where I was posting it like crazy. And I was really wondering, like, people who just work in a job, yeah. <laughs> do, what do they think of this? They don't understand about what it is to fundraise, what it is to try and get people on board. I mean, I love, I love the whole, I'm on Pledge Music, cam, Pledge Music, and I'm doing the campaign on there. And uh, there's Kickstarter and there's Indiegogo and there's fundraiser, all these different. And I love these platforms because what I realize they've become especially in the last five years, because five years ago I did pledge music for um, uh, Drunk on You. And it was, I mean, it wasn't just beginning, but it was a new kind of thing. But now you realize that there are a lot of really well-known artists as well as not so well-known artists doing these campaigns, partly because um, it has become the platform for Mm -hmm. promotion. Um, you know, in the music industry, we've moved out of record labels, really, although there are still a lot of them around. But even the record labels do. I think Pledge Music itself is a record label. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, yeah. These are, this is the new platform. And likewise, for, um, for something that you, you could do a Kickstarter campaign for an animal rights project, you know, and it, it's a platform for, for promotion, for getting it out there to people. So, um, it's not just about the fundraising, really. It's about, you know, the way that we get about in the world. And it's a little easier to do it than for me to stand here and go, hey, I'm Joy Askew, and you're going to do, you, you know, buy my record. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's a, 
a kind of um, pla- it's a we platform that you can put something on. Yes. Yeah. You know, when I, I did my Kickstarter for my album. Yes. Um, I just love these conversations because it's sort of I feel like shedding light on sort of the artist perspective of these right. things. I, I did it because, you know, like I, I probably could have funded the recording because I a lot of my music I just do on my computer at home and, and I just needed to record some vocals and strings. Right. And um, but I realized, like, if I do a Kickstarter, there's that sense of urgency and that sense of community around yeah. it that I wouldn't have if I made an album. I was like, hey, guys, buy my album. Yeah. You know, like it's it becomes like exactly a community that. effort. You said yeah. building the community, which is what uh, record labels used to do with promotion. You know, the mm-hmm. community, uh, you know, 30 years ago was based around the radio and the TV and uh, before there was the Internet, you know. And um, and so that's that's where they would go. And those were communities. There were communities who would listen to certain rock stations on the radio or listen to this station and that station. It was divided into all these things. And suddenly, you know, this has become open for us. And I think it's it's really, in one way, it's a great way of looking at what's happened to technology because we can choose our platform and in which to build our community. With, with that in mind, I'm curious um, your thoughts on, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of musicians talking about you can't sell music anymore and, and the music industry is going away and everyone's just streaming and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But with in, having in mind what we're talking about as far as the ability to build a community on the Internet like is and you've also been in the music industry a lot longer than I have, too. So I, I'm, I value that perspective as well. Is it better or worse to be a musician right now or the same or can you even compare? Uh, I think, um, well, personally, I do think it's a lot worse. Mm -hmm. But there are some things that are a lot more um, available. So you can't just say it's worse black and white. It's not a black and white issue, you know. Right. Um, I have a lot of much younger uh, friends who are out there and um you know they do very well in an indie way uh, because everything is as we were just talking about these platforms that you can build and the touring now is king obviously because yeah nobody makes any money out of selling but everyone makes out of touring and if you're in your 20s or early 30s you don't mind getting in a car and driving around and sleeping in the back of a van or whatever the hell they do you know because yeah uh and I mean, I'm sure there's big tours still out there, but um, it's a different kind of touring. It's a different kind of thing. It's a, so in that way, there are things available. The, everything that's available technology-wise in terms of making videos uh, and, and what kind of videos are acceptable. Because what I've noticed is, you know, I make all my videos on my iPhone virtually, you know. Friend oh, comes, really? Yeah, my friend comes and uses her camera a little bit and she's got filters and then we intersperse it with some iPhone and then we're just, let's edit this. And and even when you, you know, standing there with the iPhone in front of you, you know, going, hi, I'm Joy Askew. I've got something Uh I want to say to you, you know, or just singing a song at the piano. It's become extremely acceptable. It's what people Mm -hmm. notice because everyone's looking like we are right now at each other on Skype. Everyone's used to seeing this kind of full frontal face thing or... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, and we have the ability to, like, be um, just uh, natural nat- isn't the right word, but 
maybe it is the right and word. And it's not polished. It's not polished. That's what it is. So interesting that it's changed. So certain things, many more things are, are accessible. There's a lot of creative creativity that can happen. But of course, it's worse because if you can't make money uh, in various ways that we used to be able to, I think uh, one of the main difficulties is that there used to be um, a lot of royalties, now, mm -hmm. I'm not a person that received a lot of royalties, but I received a lot of work because the person, people that I worked for received a lot of royalties. So it worked that way. Just oh, I see, I yeah. Was, I was very, very happy working in music and being able to fund my own thing and do my stuff for 20 years here because, it, because uh, I didn't necessarily have success, but... I worked with a lot of people who did, and they could afford to pay me, you know, a lot. So once that royalty structure has disintegrated, which it has, uh, particularly because of streaming and because of YouTube and all kinds of things, um, you know, and, and, and I, I'm sorry, they say you get paid, but it's just absolutely not comparable to what, what it should be. Uh, once that's gone, there's a lot of other structures that have gone as well then there's not that, that bigger money at the top tri trickling down. So that's kind of what's happened. I hear And then yeah. I wonder, having lived in much more in that musical financial situation, you wonder how people are going to manage, you know, in the future. And I, I guess you just have to create a different reality. But I was talking to one of my musicians last night. I did a gig last night with four brass players. And, um, you know, he's a very talented composer, conductor, player, uh, but he now has a family and there's plenty of opportunities for him to be here and rent, but, but uh, he feels it's not a good structure to move forward. And there isn't, there isn't the possibility of what I just described to you, you know, either getting royalties or benefiting from somebody who has that bigger financial structure and so he's having to move um back to uh, you know somewhere in, in in the midwest i think that he knows and um you know they're going to get up and try that and i mean there might be a lot of op much more opportunities for them there because new york is very crowded but i said to him you know if you if this was the 80s you wouldn't even this wouldn't even be happening you would be here and happy, you know? Uh, yeah. So. Interesting. Huh. <laughs> How do you feel about it, Michael? How do you feel about opportunities? Well, I just started within the past um, three or four years d deciding to create my own work and make an album and do and perform my own material. I've been a pianist for other people forever. Mm -hmm. So I don't have like... For me, I think it's great, but it's only because I didn't, I wasn't part of that that realm of trying to be a, a independent artist or a solo artist until recently. Right. So to me, like, I I love the fact that as an unknown person, I can sort of I have access to a potential audience where I may not have before. You know, without the internet, if I just decided I'm going to make this weird. <laughs> electronic spoken word chamber music piece 
I wouldn't have a way to get it to anyone or even, you know, like, yeah. So I really appreciate that part of it. And, you know, being able to set up a Kickstarter and say, hey, guys, I want to make this album. Can you pay me for it now (laughs) so I can make it? Um, So that stuff to me, I I really appreciate. But I was never in another world. So it's hard for me to, 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 you know, compare. Well, I think, you know, you just named it for for generations coming up now and 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 maybe even have been there you know they're forging you have to forge a new way of how it's going to work you know yeah and so constantly comparing it to the old structures um are are always going to be difficult because i i personally don't feel that we're going to get that back not in the same way you know royalties and and uh commercial residuals and uh, all of those things that kept actors and musicians going, by the way. Um, I'm just, it's all changed, you know. They used to be so good and, uh, and they benefited the whole community. So, but, but there are other ways, as you said, and now there's so much. I mean, I think it's exciting that there's so much accessibility and so, so you're able to get your stuff out there. You just have to go and work at it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And we have the technology now, like you were saying about the iPhone thing. Yeah. And, you know, we can do such high quality work recording at home. Yeah. That wasn't that wasn't available before. Yes. And um, yeah, you know, I was thinking I've been getting into programming synthesizers lately. Right. And I'm thinking back to like 1985, 86, when I got my first synthesizer and all I had access to to learn how to use it. Because I was living in East Texas in a small town was the manual right. and the manual didn't make any sense. I didn't know what to make of it. So that was the end of the road. Mm-hmm. But now I can like, oh, I want to learn how to, you know, such and such. And there's a series of videos, like tutorials ah. on programming a particular synth, you know, like there's all this available information. So I, I get excited about that. stuff. Yeah, too. you see, I mean, that's actually and also that's great for the people sharing it because presumably they're getting some kind of revenue from sharing it. Getting yeah. the benefit from looking at it. No, I mean, I got, I bought my sonic synthesizer at the very end of 1981, the Prophet Five. Oh, I had what? a bloody clue how to work it. I mean, it was. <laughs> Do you still have it? I'm just curious. No, I sold it. <laughs> yeah, I don't have my first synth either. It was a Roland Juno 106. Right, the Juno, and and I had uh, a Mini Moog as well, and I sold that. Um, they're they're re-releasing that if I'm not mistaken. The original mini move. Yeah, yeah, they're re they're making new tremendous new ones. tremendous acts. The mini move it was great, and so was the profit. I mean, you know, I used that all the way through. I think I used it all the way through to about nineteen no two thousand or something like that. Oh, uh, amazing! And then I I just said it's taking up space. I'm going to get rid of it. Um, but yeah. You're right. All of this stuff is available to us. It's great. Yeah. So we should talk about your actual album. We're talking all about crowdfunding, but not about the crowdfunding (laughs) you're currently doing. (laughs) So this album, it's a brass band. Is that the right word to call what what you're having? Yeah. British Um, brass band is a very particular thing. It's not the same as an American brass band by any means. And the one that, that came into my mind the sound, which is basically the British brass band sound, is very evocative, and it that was formed out of the bands, the pit bands. They were called the colliery pit bands. It was, uh, I think, for the miners 
it was in the 1800s and it was for the miners to have something to do on the weekend, which sounds ridiculous to me, but I think it was also to strengthen their lungs. So all ah. the instruments in the brass band are non-fixed pitched instruments. So they're all um, based around horn and uh, as opposed to an American brass band sound, which has some saxophones and, and possibly clarinets in it and stuff. Okay. Ah, nice. So this, you, you decided to make an album using that sound. Yeah. And it's, it's recorded now. You're about to move into the mixing yeah. phase. Is that correct? Yeah. And uh, that's where our, your Pledge Music campaign is sort of picking up. You're, you're inviting people to pre-order different versions. In, like, you can get a signed CD, just the CD. You can get just a download of the album. Right. Um, and there's some other cool stuff, an acoustic gig. Did there's, I see that? Yeah, like an acoustic a, house concert? Like an acoustic house concert. Um, there's a, you know, I am a, a voice teacher. Uh, so there's a lesson with me and a free download of my double uh, teaching CD. Ah. Um, there's a Skype lesson with me for half an hour, I think. Um, then there's a signed vintage poster from, which is three feet by 20 inches, I think. It's a big poster from my um first album tender city um and there's various other things i don't have uh i don't have mugs and t-shirts because i haven't i haven't yet got the image for the album we're working on it but oh, i have okay. that set got it uh, so the I'm, I didn't save the link. Is it something quick we can say the link or I can just make sure there's a yes, well I'll, it's um pledgemusic.com slash projects slash joy ask you got it and if you're listening to this on the subway or something and you don't have a pen handy you can also just stop by mikeypod.com and there will be a link oh to great this, uh, thank you to the pledge pledge music thing there my, on, on my website as well oh perfect which is joyaskew.com yeah joyaskew.com whatever you say it <laughs> Depending on how you look yeah. at it. I'm such a Laurie Anderson fan. And before we started recording, um, you mentioned that, that Laurie Anderson was the first person you heard say Joy Askew. Yeah. So just for that reason, because she's one of the like handful of artists that I'm totally a uh, fanboy on, um, I might have to change the way I pronounce it. Yeah. I might have to go with the, with the Anderson pronunciation. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's very well worthwhile. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it sounds great. It sounds, it's a really interesting Joy Askew. So let's talk about, um, oh my gosh, I'm, uh, Mammoth. Yes. This is a song we're going to listen to next. Now, is this going to be on the new yes, album? Yes, it's on the album. And this, uh, I think the track that I sent you is with the Brighouse and Rastrick Brass Band, which is uh, the band that I recorded with in England. They're one of the uh, best known brass bands in England. Mm. Um, 30 piece. I think there's 30 of them. And um, Mammoth, I was inspired to write this song quite a long time ago, way before I thought of this project. Uh, but I um, saw an article in the New York Times about how they uncovered the oldest and hairiest mammoth, the bones of the oldest and hairiest mammoth um, up in the high plains of Tibet. And I imagined this huge sweeping plain with, with the mountains, you know, with the Himalayas all around. And they uncovered these bones and 
I think they what they were saying was that the plain was full of bones. It was this was where these mammoths lived, and and it was the largest they've ever found. Uh, the hair was long and thick because obviously it's so high up and so cold. But one very big feature, the trunk of the mammoth just didn't come down to the end, but it fanned out to the side at the bottom uh, like a snowplow so that as it walked, it swept the snow in front of it so that it could walk, which is really intense. So I loved this whole article. And um, what intrigued me was that if this was a place that nobody had been, which is quite possible, uh, except for these um, archaeologists, I guess, who had been uncovering, the, the voices and and the being the, the just the being but the voices of these ancient mammoth were the last things to be heard in this area and if that's the last thing to be heard then it still exists because nothing else has come do you know what i mean and so yeah and especially as the yeah. mountains surround it it's almost as if there's still the traces and the voices are still echoing in this area. So this is what the song is really about, which is um, a concept that has been raised by other, by anthropologists, actually, that um, when we're uncovering uh, people like Lucy, uh, do you know who I mean by that? The, no. That's the oldest person that was uncovered, mummified, because she was trapped in the, the ice. You know, and they're discovering wow. so much about our our history as a species. Um, but the thing is, some kind of question as to it's still living; it's still within living memory if it's so preserved. Oh, that's I love that concept. Oh my god, Skype is giving me a weird thing where it's oh okay, it stopped doing it. <laughs> I was about to have to call you right back because I was echoing back to myself oh, god, through you. That. Oh, it's the worst, but it stopped, so everything's okay. fine. Okay, <laughs> so, so that uh, was what intrigued me about Mammoth. I wrote the song, and then once I started, got inspired to um, begin the Brass Band Project, I thought, you know, this would be a great song because the evocative sound, the moving sound of the brass, it's very warm and moving and also can be very deep, like the, mm -hmm. the, the plodding hugeness of this big, beautiful creep. <clears throat> And that the the swell of the brass is really just gorgeous as that, well. Yes, it, it, it's that swell that always tugs on the heartstrings. I think you know it's that's yeah. the, it's it's tremendous, and they do that really well. I mean, sitting in the room when they do that, uh, you just immediately tears spring into your eyes. Uh, there's a piece that you should hear. Do you know the composer Eve Beglarian? Yes, she's a uh, she has a piece called uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's called In and Out of the Game. And it's written for eight trombones. Wow, I love eight trombones. Um, and then there's like a, a sort of electronic looping thing that is going on in the background. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah she is. Yeah, she's one of my. I'm going to listen to that because uh, I, I was actually very inspired also by someone else who used trombones. Sam Amidon um, on one of his albums has quite a few trombones and i i was inspired by that sound for this oh, i love it yeah oh my god we could go on forever i know <laughs> like there's so many I've, i feel like it's time for us to start wrapping this up but there's so many topics we haven't even talked about like 
uh, activism as an artist and <coughs> well, all the different stuff. Let we me share. just give you a little bit about Walk the Dog then, because that's why I wanted you to have that at least, because that's a, definitely okay. my. Um, uh, way back in 2005, I was part of a whole demonstration that happened every Sunday uh, in front of um, Fairway uh, against foie gras. Um, mm. Because trying to get foie gras out of America, basically, and definitely out of New York State, there's no reason why that, you know, it is not a tradition in this country. So there's no reason why such a cruel and, and disgusting product of a of a poor duck should be uh made here um or, or rather extracted here and uh sold at a place like fairway so um we stood there was a lot of us who stood there every sunday with very graphic pictures um screen footage going we got a lot of a lot of signatures and a lot of a lot of great people and and because I think a lot of people don't know what foie gras is, you know. But what I noticed during that year of doing that is that, you know, people will be walking a dog and then mm -hmm. turn to me and yell something like, you got your priorities all wrong, you know, when they see like a, a duck being um, force-fed with a horrible tube or something, these horrible images of how, how this foie gras happens, you know. Um, and then other people would come up. We'd just gone into Iraq and they would say, what about the Iraq war? You know, they feel like if you're um, demonstrating about animals, it, you've got your priorities wrong and, and the Iraq mm -hmm. war. And then the famous one was this woman who came and spat in my face kind of thing, shouting, there's children starving out there, you know. <laughs> and then when, when they used to say the Iraq war or... You know, you've got your priorities all wrong. We would say, "Oh, it's it's sun Sunday. Ducks are on Sunday. Iraq wars on Monday." You know. Well, it, it's always this implication that you can't possibly care about two things. Yes. Like there's only you only care about this. You only and whereas any activist, except for one sort, which is probably a right to lifer, but any other activist, no matter what they are standing for would walk by and appreciate what any other activist is doing. Cause you know what that, that is anyone demonstrating, you know, that's an excellent point. I never thought you about understand that. the passion. And, and, and I got plenty of those people coming up and saying, Oh, thanks for what you're doing. I do this, you know, and I'd be like, Oh, when are you, you know, how are you, you give me your information, swap information, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, it's basically getting involved is basically getting involved in the world, actually. That's what I think. You know, it certainly changed my life to um, suddenly have this understanding and this caring and this passion to do something about stuff. And, yes, I will go out on, on other causes, you know. It's mm -hmm. not, it's, but mainly for me, I, it's farmed animals. So that experience inspired the song? Yeah, you know, a lot of those phrases are in the song. You might hear me sing... Um, there's children starving out there. Well, while there's children starving on earth, uh, all the bridges are made up of the things that people shouted at me while we were sitting uh, there. <laughs> so if you're listening to the podcast, rewind, listen to the song again. And uh, with that in mind. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I, it's time for us to wrap this thing up. Well, it's so nice talking um, to you, Michael. Yeah, you too. Um, joyaskyou.com or joyaskew.com, however you choose to pronounce it. 
Um, please do contribute to Joy's uh, Pledge Music campaign. You can pre-order her uh, forthcoming album and uh, support an artist who would like to create some wonderful work. Uh, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Across the valley where you lived Discovered as the ground exposed We hear the language of your ancient life Echoing through these modern times Swept ice age persists The shapes that fall beneath still stay From your existence day to day To battle and sweep the snow away That was Joy Askew with the song Mammoth from her forthcoming album, which you can raise, you can help her make by uh, joining her Pledge Music page. Uh, you can find a link to that here at MikeyPod.com. 
I feel like I need to turn up a little bit. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Joy, for being on the podcast. And a gentle reminder, June 27th, the first ever Mikey Pod Live with live performances from amazing musicians who you've heard on this podcast and I'll, I'll be premiering a new piece and some uh, old favorites and it's going to be a fun night. So come to it, tell your friends, tell your New York City friends if you don't live here. And also I'd like to ask you if you have been enjoying this podcast and you're listening to it on iTunes or uh, Stitcher or Google Play or uh, I don't think it's in Spotify yet. Spotify is working on podcasts, but I don't think, I haven't looked you can tell me. But, you know, if you're listening in any of those places, uh, dropping by and giving a positive review makes a great big difference. And um, I, I also am, I have a subscription page, uh, drip.com slash Michael Heron. And uh, you can, for five bucks a month, get exclusive content and uh, free music and reflections on the work I'm doing with the Animal Show, uh, which is part of my residency at Tamerlane Farm Animal Sanctuary. This mic picks up like every... Every squishy, is that annoying? It's probably the one I just did intentionally is. And now for the rest of this, you're going to probably be noticing it. Anyway, uh, so uh, if you'd like to support my work, that's a great way to do it. Um, I'm also sponsored fiscally by Fractured Atlas. And uh, if you want to make contributions to this work that I'm doing, I'll give you more information. I didn't talk about it a lot this episode, but I'm creating a a solo show uh, with music, electronic music, uh, string players, a percussionist, video, storytelling, all about the work I'm doing on a volunteer basis at Tamerlane Farm Animal Sanctuary. It's called The Animal Show. And child, it takes a lot of money to produce a show like that. So if you would like to support this piece of work, which I think is important, and it's, it communicates about animals in a way that I don't think has necessarily been done before that I'm aware of. So um, I would love some support. <laughs> or if just by... <laughs> okay, yeah. It's, uh, as Joey and I mentioned, it's a little tough, like, raising money for our own projects that we are the only people that are doing, if that makes sense. It feels very... Uh, I'm getting better, but it's a little tough to ask. So there's my ask. (laughs) Anyway, I'll talk to you next week. I don't know who I'm talking to next week, but I think it's a really great author. We haven't set our exact date yet, so I don't want to get too crazy. Uh, But uh, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.